0: Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Vines in Los Angeles, California. And all of our staff from all around the world who are involved in Today with Jeff Vines want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. There's going to be a time when there's going to be no one around to remember anything anybody did. And that's bad news unless there is an enduring light that never goes out. You ever notice chapter one of the book of Genesis says, let there be light, but the sun is not created until... After that, so light comes, but the sun's not yet made. You ever notice that? Today, today, today,
1: today, with Jeff Vines,
0: we are taking the gospel to the world.
1: Pastor, apologist, and Bible
0: teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them.
1: Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. Welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. Thanks so much for joining me. Today, Pastor Jeff is sharing about the reality of death that overshadows us, even as we celebrate life and new beginnings over Christmas and the coming new year. It's a challenge for us to give up those parts of our lives where we say, Don't look the parts we try to hide from God. Let's hear more from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Vines. Uh,
0: I, I love Christmas and I've made no bones about that. I, I, I love Christmas. Now, what I want you to do Uh, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter nine, because I want to take you to one of the most powerful Christmas passages in the Old Testament, probably in the entire Bible. And as you do that, Isaiah nine, we're going to get to that. Uh, My favorite part, if I were to ask you what your favorite part of Christmas is, if you're a little boy or a little girl, you're probably going to say presents. But for me over time, uh, one of my favorite things about Christmas are Christmas lights. I love lights. And the broader, the better. Any of you have been up to Upland yet and gone on that, what is it, San Antonio Heights, where you park your car and you walk up the street and different families in different uh, homes give you hot chocolate or little cookies or whatever, and there's are light Christmas lights everywhere. Have you done that? Raise your hand if you have. Don't be shy. Yeah, some of you have done that. You need to do this cool thing. Lights everywhere. Beautiful, beautiful lights everywhere. And I like lights, and I like the big lights. I say this every Christmas. Not these little lights that you have in Walmart, you know, these little string lights, when I was growing up, I mean, you had those big honking lights, you know, the ones that burn your house down if you leave them on. And they're, you know, they're about that big and they're blue and green and orange and yellow. And at times in my, my house growing up, I would uh, lay down on the floor and put my head right by the watering trough, kind of the Christmas tree, because my dad always demanded we have a live tree. And so I put my head down and I just look up through the tree. You know, I saw Christmas vacation. There were no squirrels. And so I'm, I'm looking up and the lights and the glistening, I just loved that. I just love lights. I love different colored lights. My mom would take me for walks in the snow and I would uh, look up and the snow's coming down in our little small town, in Tennessee, and the, the glistening lights that the snow would make as it passed through the lamppost. It's beautiful. I've always liked lights. I like Christmas lights. On the other side, I, I never have really liked darkness that much. You say, well, who does? Well, I don't like dark things. From a very young age Uh, A good example, last week I was playing golf with a friend, and uh, he said, look, Pastor Jeff, and a a hawk came down, swooped down, and and got a squirrel. Now, I know that's life, and I know it's the whole thing about uh, the the feeding system and uh, ecosystem, but it's still, I just don't like, I, I turned away. I don't, I don't like to see a, a little squirrel get eaten by a hawk. It's not something I enjoy looking at. I've never been somebody to like something that was dark. Even as a kid, when, when, when my friends would get in fights, you know, and you'd have the guys on one side and the other guy, and they're, they're egging them on, trying to get them to punch each other. I, I was never that kind of guy. I was always kind of standing in the background, kind of, kind of sad. There was a sadness in me, a, a darkness that people were fighting each other. My grandmother said that I was that way because she told me when I was eight years old, you're going to grow up to be a pastor. At that point, I was was really laughing. I guess she got the last laugh. But dark things. I just don't, you know, horror films. I never liked, never liked them. My first horror fi- flick was uh, Carrie. You know, that's how old I am. And when a pig's blood came out all over her, you know, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think part of it was that if, if, if human depravity can think up things that evil, imagine what real evil is like. And I really just didn't want to be around it. Nothing dark. I'm just not a. I'm not that kind of guy that loves to go to movies where there's. All kinds of evil and ideas come. Just, it's just too real. I'd just rather stay away from it. That's just who I am. Dark, just so much darkness in the world already. I, I don't know what you're like. Uh, there is a lot of darkness in the world. There's, there's just lots of it. When we were coming out here to take the job, we stopped in Memphis, Tennessee, and there was a tornado. And... Uh, I thought I could outrun a tornado because I lived in the eastern part of Tennessee. We don't get tornadoes. So I was stupid because you can't outrun a tornado. That's why the sirens are going off. They're trying to tell you to get into shelter or safety. But I was just trying to drive as fast as I could and get down to the hotel. And I thought if I could get to the hotel, then I'd be safe. But the darkness was just hanging over you and it was encroaching. And sooner than later, it just comes overwhelms you. And I literally could not see, I mean, like five feet in front of me. And it, the children were scared. I was scared. You pick up the newspaper. You, what do you read? You read about racism. You read about genocide. You read about the culture wars. You see homeless people. Does it do something to you when you see somebody living on the streets? Be careful about judging those people, folks. Be very careful. You have no idea what happened all of their lives to get them where they are now. I'm not saying you give everybody money, I'm just saying be careful. You, you have no idea. And now we're in a time when we're seeing, right around Sandimas, I keep seeing homeless teenagers. Teenagers. There's something not right about that, that a 13, 14, 15, 60-year-old boy or girl doesn't have a home to go to. Do you know the damage that's going to cause later on? life? You got no idea. That kind of darkness just seems to hang over us. It's overwhelming. I meet with families every day it feels like every day of someone, a husband or a wife who has some kind of an addiction that's destroying the family and the darkness that hangs over their head. There's a guy that used to come to Coffee Clash. Now stay with me. This is one of those sermons. We're going to put a few things in the bucket, but it'll all come out in the end if you just stay with me. There's a guy at Coffee Clash. He's a Vietnam War vet. And a few years ago when I frequented Coffee Clatch, I was there actually almost every morning until people found out I was there. And then I would go there, and there was this Vietnam War vet that I would just try to befriend. And about once a month, I'd just buy him a cup of coffee and start talking to him and hear his story. You could tell that he had been so wounded by the horrors of war that his coping mechanism was drugs. The problem is, as he turned to drugs, now it was literally frying his brain so that we'd have a conversation and I'd get to a point. But then the next time I saw him, I'd have to start over because he wouldn't even remember who I was. And so there's so much darkness, so much darkness in our lives. All of us have coping mechanisms. Everybody in the room, you have something that you turn to because you know down deep inside there is a darkness that is encroaching. It hangs over your head. What is it? Well, in spite of the reality of that darkness, and by the way, that's why there's so much frustration in your life. Think about it. You know that the darkness ultimately is going to cover you and you are going to die. Everybody knows that. Christmas... Is the story that darkness will not win. That there's going to be something that comes into the world, at such a bright light that shoves back the darkness and everything associated with it dissipates and goes. And so, in verse two of Isaiah chapter nine, look at me now. We're going to do some teaching here. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, the word deep darkness is a compound word, it means the death shadow. In the Old Testament, darkness and death are inextricably tied together, and light and life are inextricably tied together. So in Genesis 1, God says, let there be light, light occurs, and then what happens? Then there's life. In the same way, when you see darkness, it's related to and inextricably tied to death. Matter of fact, stay with me now. I read an article in Popular Science Magazine, and they ask, what would happen if the sun went out today? I mean, what do these people come up with these ideas? I mean, what kind of sick mind? You You might as well write an article, so what would happen if there was no more chocolate? What would happen if there's no more coffee, you know? What would happen? Well, what would happen if there's no more sun? And the article goes on to say that by the end of the day, it would be zero degrees Fahrenheit. By the end of the week, it would be 100 degrees minus, minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of the week. By the end of the year, it would settle in somewhere around minus 400 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 400 degrees. Now, if you've ever been in cold, I've been in a minus 16 degrees. And when it's minus 16, there's a cold front that came through Cincinnati when I was in grad school. You walk outside, you can't hardly breathe, and your skin feels like it's burning. My, imagine minus 400 degrees. If the sun goes out, photosynthesis stops immediately because all the plants that give out oxygen are dead. And we could create, there are other ways to create oxygen, but by the time we did and stabilize it, most of us would suffocate or freeze to death. And we get our vitamin A and vitamin D from the sun. So if there's no sun, our bones are going to start to crackle and crumble. Bottom line of the article is, if there's no sun, there's no life. If the sun goes out, life will slowly but surely die. If that's true, what does he mean when he says, those living in the death shadow, a light has flashed? He says, in the land of deep darkness, a light has appeared. You say, well, we have the sun. So this must be a spiritual text. Wrong answer. Because the sun is going out. (laughs) It is dying. Second law of thermodynamics. Things are coming to an end. The death shadow is over us, and we know it. It is going out. It's not getting stronger; it's getting weaker. And so there is this shadow of death that hangs over. When, when David writes in Psalm twenty-three, though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's not talking about someday when he might die. He's talking about now. The death shadow is encroaching on all of us. Not only our own death, but the reality of people that we've already lost and. We loved. Christmas is a very difficult time for a lot of people because they think about what they've lost. That's the death shadow follows us everywhere. It's like that ensuing, encroaching tornado. We're just waiting for it to cover us. Let me, let me move from a, a sad illustration to kind of one humor. one. So let's say you take a turkey and you cook it and you put it out on the kitchen table and you leave it for four hours. What happens? Well, okay, what happens if you leave it for four days? It starts to smell like grandpa's feet, doesn't it? what happens if you leave it for four weeks? Well, now you're not going to be in your apartment anymore because landlord's going to come. The health inspector's going to come and evict you and your turkey because turkeys, if they're just left around, they lose their energy. They don't get better. They get worse. This is a picture of your life. And the Bible paints an honest picture. It's not pie in the sky. It tries to remind you and I that we are slowly running down The sun is going down. It is losing energy. It is going out. And the light of your life is going out. The older you get, the more you realize that. When I was younger, I could just go out and run 10 or 15 miles. Literally, I could just go out, not at a fast pace. But if I wanted to go for a long run, I just put my headphones on and away. Now I try to do three or four. By the end of it, I'm almost dead. (laughs) Because the light is going out. I told you that life is like four stages. Santa Claus tells us what those four stages are. Remember, stage one. You believe in Santa Claus. Stage two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three, you are Santa Claus. Stage four, you look like Santa Claus, right? (laughs) Life is going out. Now, that is bad news. Stay with me. Somebody might say, well, you know, okay, I I know the light is going out. I know the sun is going out. I know things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. I realize that, but I'm going to make the world a better place for those who come after me. And my question is, but how long will people come after you? There's going to be a time when there's going to be no one around to remember anything anybody did. And that's bad news unless... There is an enduring light that never goes out. You ever notice chapter one of the book of Genesis says, let there be light, but the sun is not created until after that. So light comes, but the sun's not yet made. You ever notice that? The better question is, did the sun create itself? No. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Remember, we're going to put things in the funnel. It'll all come out of you. Just stay with me. Anything you create is a reflection of yourself. You take an artist. If he paints a painting, it's not exactly him, but his personality, his temperament, his artistic impression is all reflected on the painting. Same thing with a sculptor and a sculpture. Same thing with you and me. In a real way, I know we don't create life, but I created my son Delaney. In a way, right? He's got my DNA. People say to me all the time, hey, your son looks nothing like you. Well, you're wrong. Here's a picture of me when I was his age, and now here's him today. We look incredibly similar. Amazing. Now, my daughter looks nothing like me, zero. But she acts just like me. Her temperament, her personality, everything is just like her father. How did that happen? Because what you create, what you create is a reflection of you. It's who you are. It has part of you in that thing. So I tell my wife, sweetheart, let me tell you about Sion. You cannot motivate her by guilt and condemnation. Her personality does not receive that. You can't treat her like Delaney. You make Delaney feel guilty. Man, off, change right away. Sion, she just gets mad. I said, you got to inspire her. So if you want to get her to clean up a room, you can't come and say, look at this room. looks like a pigsty tornado went through. That's just going to make her mad. You got to inspire her. You got to say, Sion, imagine a clean room <laughs> where everything is in place and your friends come over and you can play in your room and you can find things. Imagine. You've got to inspire her. I'm the same way. You condemn me, i run away. But if you inspire me to a higher level of living and thinking, that's, what Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus, Jesus said. What? I did not come to condemn the world. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I'm going to inspire people with a suffering servant attitude rather than overpower them with authority. It's amazing. What you create is a reflection and in the book of revelation the bible says that god is going to create a perfect world and notice it says the new heaven and the new earth will come down and there will be no more sun do you know that there will be no more sun why because the sun is mere creation of god what god created he doesn't need the sun for light and the bible says that in the new world that God, the light of the world, that giving us a glimpse now is gonna push back the darkness to such a degree that everything dark and everything associated would dissipate, that the energy's running out of the sun, but God never loses his energy. He's eternal. And that's why when we describe Jesus in Colossians 1:17, he is before all things and him and all things hold together. Death is gone and justice will be gone. Racism will be gone. Disease will be gone. Destruction will be gone because darkness is gone. And when darkness, when the light shoves back the darkness, when the encroaching darkness comes and the light is overpowering and pushes it back, then everything associated with darkness will also go. Do you know they call Alaska the land of the midnight sun? They say you can go to Alaska in July and August and the sun never goes down. Every time I hear that, I think, man, 24-hour golf. that would be fantastic. I'll take a 2 p.m. tea time. If I'll follow that up with a 2 a.m. tea time. I mean, golf all day. Golf. That's kind of the idea that darkness will be no more, that the light will push back the darkness. And yet the Bible says there'll be no more sun. And the reason there won't be any more sun is because the sun, the light, will be replaced by the ultimate power generator of all time. God and the Lamb of God will be the light of the world. So there is an ultimate light. Stay with me now. This is one you got to just stay plugged in, all right? Isaiah is telling us that the death shadows are going to die, fade away. That into this great darkness, a great light has come. And there is an ultimate light one day that will push back the darkness to such a degree that nothing associated with the darkness will survive And so C.S. Lewis says, think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of taking hold of a hand and finding it God's hand, of breathing new air and finding it celestial air, of feeling invigorated and finding it immortality, of passing from storm to tempest to an unbroken calm, unbroken calm, unbroken. It's never going to be anything else other than calm of waking up and finding it home. That is the light all of us are looking for. Do do, Do I have you? Stay with me now the encroaching darkness is coming, but there has been a light given to the world. And that light ultimately will push back darkness and everything associated with darkness will go. Now the question is, (laughs) we want that light. How do we get it? And here's how he says we get it. Verse six of Isaiah nine, for unto us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, how is God going to set this thing in motion where that all darkness will dissipate under the power of the light of the world? It starts by him sending a child. Now, the names of the son that will be given are overwhelming. The names are Mighty God. Mighty God is his name. So this is not some avatar or divine principle. This is mighty God, everlasting father, the source of all creation. And yet he's born. A child is born, but yet the child is God. For unto us a son is given, so he's obviously human, or born rather. To us a son is given, but he's also God because his names are mighty God, everlasting father. It's it's an amazing thing. The same thing happens in Luke chapter 1 when the angel visits Mary tells her she's going to bear a son. And she responds by saying, how am I going to bear a son? I've never known a man. And the angel responds, the Holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow. Therefore the Holy one, this is terminology used only for God. The Holy one who will be born will be called the son of God. Wow. So God enables you to have a son and yet the son you have will be God. Elizabeth gets it because in Luke chapter one, verse 43, when she sees Mary coming, she speaks out in a loud voice and says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But then she asks a question. She says, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of God comes to me. And that's because Christmas ultimately is about the incarnation, light pushing back darkness. Listen, Jesus came to show you what the world was going to be like when darkness is completely done away with. And so the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Everything's made new. His light shines forever. It will never run out of energy. Everything that we've lost will be renewed and restored, including those we've lost and loved. Now, here's the point. We should be the happiest people on planet Earth. See, When you go out and see the Christmas lights this year, Don't go out and just look at the lights. If you're going to get this Christmas thing right, when you look at it, you're supposed to be reminded. The whole thing originates from the idea that one day, as beautiful as these lights are, one day there will be no darkness. It'll all be light. We're supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to be people who are overwhelmed by encroaching darkness because we know that darkness is on borrowed time at best. And so we're supposed to be joyous. We're not supposed to be depressed and downtrodden because of the darkness. We're supposed to be joyous and excited and people who are ambassadors for the light of God. And we're supposed to tell the world through our actions, through our words, through the way we live that don't worry, darkness is having its day right now, but one day darkness will end forever and the light that has come will push it back and everything associated with it. So there'll be no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain, no more nothing associated with darkness. And we're supposed to be happy but some of you need to tell your face. You you don't look very happy. You say, how do you know? Because I see you every week. I'm not saying you just dance around all the time, but if there's ever a place you're going to be happy, it should be here. Because this is a place you're reminded of the light that has come into the world that God has given us a great gift. Remember what we said a few months ago? We said, based on what you believe about the future is going to determine the way you live now. If you really believe that the future is coming and the future as it comes, darkness will be pushed back by the ultimate light, then you should be a happy person. But you're not.
1: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff.
0: It's an uncanny thing that people who recognize that Jesus is the light of the world and realizes that our task is to show people that this encroaching darkness is temporary, that He who calmed the storm will one day calm the storms forever and there'll never be any more darkness is the same one that wants to come into you and light up the darkness in your life and to expose your weaknesses.
1: You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. Today.
0: Today Today with Jeff Vines. This is Pastor Jeff Vines from Los Angeles, California, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I hope for you personally this year, the wonder of Christmas is restored and you begin to see, perhaps even for the first time, the beauty of a God who would send his only son into this world the incarnation to do for you what you could not do for yourself so that those of us who've been far from God can forever draw near. God bless you.